This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO. We've got two hours to go. Lots to discuss today. 505 GOP operative Greg Keller will join us on the show. Talk about Bill Igel's fundraising scandal, the Trump campaign suing Bill Igel today for using his name without their permission. But first, joining us now on the show, Auditor Scott Fitzpatrick. Auditor, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? It's good. Hey, we've switched everything up. We do question of the day at the beginning now. What's one time that you got caught in a wrong, you got disciplined, and what lesson did you learn? Give us a story. You know, when I was in, like, I don't know, man, first grade, this one's probably one of my earliest memories of, like, really making a, a mistake. I was with a friend, and we were at the grocery store. He was coming over for the weekend. We were at the grocery store wandering through while my mom was shopping, and they had the little candy bins set out, and, uh, you know, where you could, like, you know, get a bag of candy and then pay for it. Well, we just each took a piece of candy and started eating it or whatever, and we ended up back in the car, and my mom noticed there was something in my mouth, and she, she lit into me. So, uh, and then, anyway, so I, she made me go back. Uh, she, she realized that we'd left. So she made me go back the next day, go to the owner of the grocery store, pay him for the candy, apologize. Uh, the whole thing was a, was a big ordeal. That was the first time. So, you know, I was what, six, seven years old. And, you know, it's and, funny. My brother has a very similar story and I can't remember exactly the details, but he would, he would, he, when he would run over, like my mom would send him to an aisle and he'd always know where the candy was and he put some in his pocket. Well, eventually I think she found the wrappers and same situation. She made him go to the store, present the, the you know, the, the stolen merchandise to the owner of the store. And he like, he's never forgotten it, it. Like life scarred him for life. And he's like, I've never stolen a thing again because of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, it was a good parenting moment, you know, by my mom. And, uh, you know, but the friend that was with me, my mom let, let his mom know. Uh, I don't think she did anything about it. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, I'll never forget that mom made a, a good decision. It was something that I learned a valuable lesson. And, and hopefully I never have to apply that in my parenting life. But if I do, I'll be, uh, I'll be well prepared. And now it's your job to find out the people that are stealing money in state governments, right? Yeah, that is one of the jobs. Yeah, we you know, take uh, you know we take uh, tips from from the public and from you know government employees who might have knowledge of potential uh, theft of public funds and and uh, seems like there's more of that going on than most people would realize, uh, especially in you know smaller governmental entities that don't have as many people or internal controls overseeing you know financial transactions and and so we keep a, a fairly steady uh, flow of, of those types of things coming into our office. And not all of them are, you know, result in uh, actually what people thought was happening being, you know, ha- taking place, but a lot of them do. And uh, so our job is to, to help uh, kind of vet that out. Tell us a little bit. One of the big things you've announced recently is you're auditing the state's marijuana process or system. Tell us a little bit about how that presented itself. Sure. I mean, the, the, the marijuana, both the medical and recreational programs have been around for a, a little while now. I mean, the, the rec- recreational program is, is new. The medical program has been around for a few years. And so, uh, you know, there's been obviously a lot of interest in, in that program 
coming from the legislature over the over the years, uh, even dating back to you know uh, when you were still around, there was a lot of interest in in the uh, the program, the the decisions that were made to create it, and implement it. There were a lot of decisions made at the departmental level uh, that you know could have gone one way or the other, and so the research that went into making those decisions and were they well thought out decisions. And then obviously you get into, um, you know, the administration of the program, starting from the selection of, of the licensees. Uh, there were a lot of questions around that. And then from there forward, there are, you know, a lot of regulatory questions and, and we're in the early stages of this audit. So we just in the last few weeks had a, an entrance meeting with the department of health and senior services and the division of cannabis regulation to, to go over the initial kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, assessment of, of the audit plan. And basically the way these things work is once you get in, you meet with the, meet with the staff, you ask some initial questions, uh, what they call survey work. And from there you develop a plan on what you're going to look at based on kind of how those questions are answered. And, and that becomes an audit plan. And then the audit plan uh, is kind of the roadmap for what will happen during the audit. And this is going to be a, a long audit because it's a big program. It's at a, uh, it's probably, you know, one of the biggest things that's, I mean, it was put in the constitution of the state of Missouri. Uh, and it now makes up, you know, a significant portion of the overall language that's even in our constitution. And so, uh, we're, we're going to do a deep dive on it. It'll be a, a thorough, uh, a thorough, uh, report that comes out when we're done. And, uh, we will, uh, probably take, you know, it'll take, it'll be sometime next year before that audit. Uh, probably middle part of next year before that audit uh, is released. You know, this sounds like a weird question and maybe a little technical question, but if I'm a listener, if I'm driving on the road and I'm listening to the radio right now, I'm like, I don't understand. How's the auditor even get involved in something like this? Do you pick what you audit? Do people come to you and say, we need you to audit something? How's that process work? Well, there's a combination of, of things. There are audits that we're required to do every year by law. So the legislature you know, has assigned various things that are required to be audited at a certain cadence. Some things are annually. For instance, when I was the state treasurer, I was audited by the state auditor's office every single year. Um, and that's one of the things that has to has to happen. Um, there's, you know, a requirement, for instance, that we uh, audit uh, uh, county treasurers when they uh, when they close out or county collectors. I mean, uh, when, when they uh, leave office, we have to do an end of term for them. We're required to audit every county government. Uh, every four years on a recurring basis. There's things like that that we have to do. Um, and then there are petition audits. So when somebody uh, at a local, in a local government, if a citizen, uh, you know, gathers signatures, they start a petition process and if they gather a, the requisite number of signatures and turn those in to our office, we're required to conduct a, what's called a, a petition audit. Uh, and that can be at a city or a sewer district or, uh, you know, a, a public school or whatever, whatever it is. And then after we, you know, after we take care of the things that we are required to do by law, the things that the, you know, petition audits that come in, and we also have to do uh, an audit every year of federal funds, which we're not required to do, but the auditor's office has historically done in order to allow the federal programs funding to flow uh, through to state agencies. We have to do what's called the statewide single audit. We do that every year. And then after we do all of those things, I, you know, we get a little bit of time depending on staffing levels and things like that. We have some time where we can do some discretionary things and the things that I talked about during the campaign, such as you know, school districts, which we're in the middle of one of a, a large school district up in the St. Louis area right now that, that I initiated. We're doing the, the, the cannabis 
the cannabis audit. And we're in the middle of, we just started uh, a, a big one in Jackson County over the property tax situation, which probably hadn't made a ton of news down here, but there's a tremendous amount of, of increased uh, assessments way, way over the state average uh, in Jackson County for people's homes and, and properties uh, and their property taxes are going way up. And there have been a lot of concerns with that. So we're just starting an audit uh, of the assessment process up there as some examples. Tell me a little bit about uh, the size of your office. I know that's one thing. I feel like your office, the auditor's office, sort of people don't know about it until you ruin their world, until you roll in and say, <laughs> we need to open the books. But uh, you have you have a, a, a pretty massive staff because you have to have uh, uh, this army of essentially accountants working on all these different audits. So the office is actually budgeted, you know, in terms of what the General Assembly sees in the budget book is, uh, you know, budgeted for over 160 people. Um, it has been staffed at a pretty low level for a while, um, you know, dating back a few years. When I took over, we only had about 90 people in, in the office. And that included myself and a few people I brought with me from the treasurer's office. We've staffed it up to about 110 people now, uh, but we're up against some budget limitations because those things kind of got set to the side uh, during the prior administration and, and you know, weren't kept up to date. And so really, I mean, we need to be probably in the 130 to 40 range to be able to do all of the things that we're required to do and still have a reasonable amount of, of audit uh, staff time available to do some of the more important things that we want to do, um, you know, like the, you know these performance audits that I've talked a little bit about. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it is a tremendous amount of, uh, of labor uh, that goes into these audits, a tremendous amount of auditor time um, that goes into them. Some audits can take, you know, four or 5,000 audit staff hours to, to complete. Um, the single audit, the statewide single audit takes, uh, you know, way, way more than that. It takes probably around thirty to 35,000 hours to complete. And so there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into these, and it takes a big staff to, to do them. Scott, tell us a little bit, you know, in the, in the short time that you've, you've been there, your prior job was as the state treasurer. Is there anything you particularly miss? Because I personally, every time I see a post about an auction of unclaimed property in Missouri, I'm like, ah, I wish it was my old buddy Scott Fitzpatrick still doing it. Well, the treasurer's office, I was there for four years and I, I loved every minute. I would say almost every minute of it. It was a good, it was a good uh, experience for me. And I, the people that worked there were great, great folks, good public servants. Um, I certainly enjoyed being on the board of the pension system. I enjoyed being on the board of the Missouri Housing Development Commission uh, and the things that we were able to accomplish at, you know, reforming the, the low-income housing tax credit program and, and the way the pension plan worked. Um, you know, there, there were a lot of things about that. The, the thing with the treasurer's office is, like, everything that you do, everything you talk about is kind of a positive, you know, it's a positive thing, whether that's giving people unclaimed property back that they didn't know they had, um, you know, or you know, the scholarship program that was recently enacted, the most scholars program, it's all, it's all about, you know, doing things that, that are, people are happy about, right? When the audit, you know, it's a complete shift in the auditor's office that, you know, most people don't want to see the auditor coming. And so it's a, it's a very different dynamic, but, you know, I think I'm in the right place for, for, you know, what motivates me, what my skill set is and, you know, what I want to be doing to help the taxpayers of the state uh, and so while I do miss the, some things about the treasurer's office, I'm very happy to have had the opportunity to be the auditor. Hey, let's jump into the, the, the sort of controversial part of your job. 
there's a big debate about how you your you produce fiscal notes. Let's talk about how that process happens in 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 when it relates to upcoming uh, statewide initiative petitions. Yeah, so every initiative petition um, that, that gets filed goes to us in the auditor's office to conduct a you know a, a, a fiscal analysis, or we you know essentially develop a fiscal note for that initiative. And the way that has worked, you know, historically has been the staff in the auditor's office reaches out to state and local government entities because the fiscal note is supposed to be the what is the impact of this measure to state governments or state the state government and the local governmental entities. And so we solicit feedback from agencies and from school districts and counties. And when we get that information, we generally compile that into a you know a, a, you know basically summarize it and and put it into a fiscal note summary and say that you know state government entities estimate no cost or savings local government entities estimate you know costs of x y or z um you know and that's generally the fiscal note we also get uh input from public you know for people in the general public right and usually it comes from proponents the people who filed the fiscal note or sorry filed the initiative petition they will try to submit information to help bolster the likelihood of the uh, the proposal passing at the ballot. And the job of the auditor's office is to compile all that, look at the submissions and determine whether or not they're reasonable and you know whether or not to give them weight. And so we're in the position of having to say, okay, this looks reasonable. We're going to go ahead and include it, or this doesn't look reasonable and we're not going to include it. And, um, you know, a lot of times we have you know, submissions that contradict each other, right? And so in that case, we have to try to determine, okay, which one of these is more likely uh, to be accurate, right? And then we pick it, we have to pick one and go with that. And so that's generally how it works. It's, you know, not a perfect process, but it's one that we have to do in a very limited amount of time. Uh, you know, the whole process from start to finish is 20 days. And the first 10 days of that is time for the, uh, for anybody who wants to, to give us submissions. And then we have 10 days after that to try to analyze it and put it into a fiscal note and fiscal note summary that goes over to the secretary of state for the, you know, to, to put on the ballot. And a, a lot of times we could have, you know, 10 to 20 of these going on at one time with a staff of essentially two or three people who are working on these things. And so it's a, it's a job that, you know, is pretty interesting and it's obviously the subject that, and recently has been the subject of litigation and, and a lot of news for, you know, around the office. Uh, but, you know, we're just doing our job the best we can. I, I, I'm required to try to do this in a way that's unbiased and set my political positions aside. And I've done that. Um, and obviously it's caused me some, uh, you know, some, you know, some lawsuits that I, haven't enjoyed very much, but you know, I'll stand by the job that we did. I, I love your very, very clear and technical description of your job and then your slight emotional I really don't want to be involved in these these lawsuits at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, it's not a you know, it's not not a lot of fun to be uh you know, to be involved in the in the the litigation side, especially on an issue like, you know, like the one we're dealing with the with the abortion initiative petition. I obviously you know, despise those petitions. I want them to not make the ballot. And if they do, I will campaign against them to try to make sure they don't pass, you know, but being sued by the side of, you know, on, that I agree with on the issue being sued to saying that we aren't doing, you know, our, our job or we did, you know, did a bad job on the fiscal note when the reality is we just did, you know, the, we gave an unbiased summary of what we thought the cost or savings would be. And, you know, 
obviously the people who want that who want that to be defeated would like for the fiscal note summary to say that you know that enacting abortion you know rights in the constitution is going to cost the state billions of dollars we just don't have any support for that to say it and so you know we can't i'm not just going to sit there and lie to the voters in order to enhance my own you know political you know outcomes that i'd like to see achieved so yeah and this um, is you know, you know coming from a guy who is budget chair zero planned parenthood out of the the state's medicaid budget you've been endorsed by right to life before i think it's hard for anybody to question your pro-life credentials on on this type of issue well you know yeah that'll that'll be up for you know i guess the voters to decide next time around and you know it, it, the reality is the auditor's office is not a particularly political position i mean we we're supposed to be calling balls and strikes and sometimes uh sometimes i like the answers to the questions we have to answer and sometimes i don't and uh this is one of those cases where i don't but uh, you know it doesn't change the reality of the situation scott if people want to follow along with the work that you do as our state auditor how do they follow you on social media uh so twitter it's at fitzpatrick mo and or you know or for the official side at auditor fitz uh, there might be an underscore in there somewhere but if you start typing in it, it'll probably come up and then just facebook scott fitzpatrick uh i don't do instagram personally i don't think the office has an instagram either so <laughs> um you know facebook or twitter we don't do tiktok i'm not we're not giving our data to china um you know no snapchat none of that stuff so yeah, we got a couple options there. Or auditor.mo.gov, and you can go to the whistleblower hotline if you have a suspicion of improper government activity you want us to look at. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks. See you. Hey, that was Scott Fitzpatrick, the state auditor. We've got lots more to go. As I mentioned, question of the day today. One time you got in trouble as a kid, you got disciplined for it. Once you learn from it, don't forget we got Greg Keller coming up at 5.05 talking about dishonest fundraising in Missouri. We'll have that again right off the top of the hour news.